Well, it's the off-season. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the official podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. We are powered, as we are every week, by WTMJ Mobile. I'm John Muirdink, your host, joined today by foreign correspondent Gary Zillavy. How are we doing, Gary? It's a great day to be great, John. It is a great day to be great indeed. So let's jump right in with some headlines, starting with last week's NFC Championship game in the form of Jordy Nelson. Uh, Jordy Nelson actually playing pretty well with his broken ribs. We turn to Mr. Bob McGinn for some analysis. He said in his grading the Packers piece out this week, not only did Jordy Nelson play with broken ribs, he was probably the team's best receiver. In truth, that wasn't saying much, and he goes on to talk about how the Packers generally were not super great as receivers throughout this game. But he points out that on the first play of the game, uh, the second play of the game, rather, Nelson beat cornerback Jalen Collins on a deep corner route. On the next snap, he curled inside Nickelback Brian Poole for 15. He sort of fell off kind of as the game went on, and you imagine the pain built up a little bit. But all in all, Gary, I have to say pretty positive performance from Jordy Nelson despite the broken ribs. It was fantastic. Uh, that was certainly the highlight of the game for me. Really great to see Nelson out there. I thought he played unbelievable for being 14 days removed from broken ribs and whatever else we'll never know was going on with Jordy Nelson. Whatever the, the ancillary effects, I guess, of broken ribs are, I have never had a broken rib. It seems like it is extraordinarily painful and that Nelson was able to play at all is a, is a huge testament to him. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that one, but uh, the next headline also has to do with an injured player. Gary, what do we know about TJ Lang? Well, what we know is that TJ Lang got hurt, but he wants to be back in green and gold. This headline comes to us from Ryan Wood of PackersNews.com. Uh, for a Pro Bowl guard who becomes a free agent this spring, the possibility of playing for anyone other than the team who drafted him in the fourth round eight years ago was wrenching. Lane grabbed a towel and cried. And this is a quote from TJ. Uh, the first thing going through my mind after I hurt my foot again uh, was, uh, I'm just hoping that it wasn't the last time that I get to put on my that helmet. It's tough, man. Obviously, I'll take some time, take a couple of days to rest up, recover, and see what happens. I think everyone in this locker room knows that this is where I want to be. TJ Lang had a really great season, made the Pro Bowl, uh, was replaced by former Packer Josh Sitton. John, do you want him back next year? I, I think I do want him back. I think he's the sort of player whose game is going to age well. The injuries that he has had. I think are different from what Josh Sitton was dealing with, so I don't think that's the same sort of consideration uh, that the Packers will have to make in regard to Lang. Uh, when he's dealt with stuff, it seems like it's been more foot and ankle and a couple knee-related things. But Sitton dealing with back problems for, it seems like, three or four years now, that's something that you worry about degenerating over, the, over time. And I don't think you have those same sort of concerns with Lang. I think... Age like Sitton is going to play a, a role with him too as far as what the Packers want to offer him. But if I'm the Packers, I want him back, especially when I saw how Kyle, uh, uh, Jason Spriggs, not Kyle Murphy, how Jason Spriggs has played in relief and what we saw actually from Kyle Murphy quite a while ago. Not up to, to Lang's level, and Spriggs certainly isn't there either yet. You want him back? I'm not going to be hurt either way. If we don't have him, um, it'll be sad to see him go. If he comes back, I think it's great. Uh, I echo your sentiments, though. 
I can I can get on board with that too. I don't think I'll be hurt if he uh, or the Packers decides that this isn't where they want him to be and he goes off and gets a big contract from somebody else. I think that's great for him. He certainly deserves every penny of it because he's been excellent over the past few seasons. Uh, may even have been a little bit better than Josh Sitton the last time they were on the line together, uh, depending on who you ask. So um, I think this is going to work out well for TJ Lang, no matter where he ends up, because he is going to get a generous contract. And like I said, he deserves every little bit of it. There could be some other people who, depending on who you ask, could be deserving of some big contracts as well. And we're talking about maybe some players who aren't currently on the Packers. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's talk about what Aaron Rodgers said after the NFC Championship game on Sunday. This headline coming to us from Jason Wildey, um, who's writing for... Uh, the Wisconsin State Journal, Aaron Rodgers wants to reload, not rebuild. The piece starts out, Aaron Rodgers does not think his team's window is closing, but the Green Bay Packers quarterback did make a not-so-subtle plea to general manager Ted Thompson in the wake of Sunday's 44-21 NFC Championship game loss to the Atlanta Falcons. Help! Now a quote from Rodgers, I still feel pretty young, I think I have a number of years left in me where I can play at a high level. We've just got to make sure we're going all in every year to win. And I think we can take a big step this offseason. We need to reload. I don't think we need to rebuild. We need to reload. We've got a lot of players who are young, who are big contributors for us. We just need to reload a little bit this offseason. I think we had a lot of great contributions from guys we didn't really expect. I'm proud of these guys. We battled. We had our backs against the wall for eight weeks in a row. When we came, uh, we won some big games. We just came up a little short. Now, Gary, a lot of people have looked at this as Rodgers calling out to the front office saying, hey, would you sign some free agents or something? How do you read it? I don't really read it like that. I think in, in I don't mean to be a translator here, and I'm certainly not one for Rodgers, but reloading, I think, means signing your guys, going out in the draft, being aggressive, taking guys that are going to make an immediate impact uh, and and perhaps that means taking a step away from players like Kenny Clark who are on the younger end in the draft I mean targeting guys that that might be a little bit more ready to to compete for at um, um, in their first year uh, Clark certainly coming on strong at the end of his rookie season but with Rogers at 33 I just don't know how many more developmental projects you can go for in the draft or, or maybe at the top end of the draft. Um, I, I, I don't think this is a big plea to the front office. Now, I could be completely mistaken, John. What well, do you think? I actually take it a little bit differently. I, I Like you, I don't think he's asking the, the front office to go out and make some big free agent signings. But I do think he, he speaks to the philosophy of the front office just a little bit. The, the line that jumps out to me, is we've just got to make sure we're going all in every year to win. And the team that comes to mind when I, I hear something like that is the Denver Broncos. They acquired Peyton Manning, what was it, in 2013? And they retooled their entire roster, it seems like, three years in a row to make sure they had the absolute best shot to win each of the years where they had Peyton Manning. And it worked. Uh, they made two AFC title games uh, a Super Bowl, well, two Super Bowls, actually, uh, and won one and lost one. And it worked. They can go all in every year. 
and they were still in contention this year, even though they had absolutely nothing at quarterback. Uh, they probably won by not keeping Brock Osweiler around, so they would have had less than nothing at quarterback. But the Broncos showed that you can kind of take that all-in attitude every single year and go for it. And I think that's what, if I was Rodgers, I would like to see. The The Packers have enough smart people in their front office that they can make that kind of move or make those kind of moves every year and survive into the long term. What's the point of having all these personnel people around if if you can't do stuff like that? That That is more how I read it. I don't know if that that affects your valuation at all. I just don't think that the Denver model is something that you can just go ahead and, and replicate here in Green Bay. I think that Denver uh, was unique in that it really struck with almost every free agent signing that they made. Um, it, they really threaded the needle. I just don't think Green Bay can do the same thing. We haven't been dipping our toes in free agency to the level that other teams have been over the year. And now if we're just going to all of a sudden crank it up, I just think we're going to, my opinion is that we'll probably make some mistakes. Well, that's true. And to be fair, the Broncos did have some pieces in place that made the, we're going to make some moves here uh, sort of attitude possible. Uh, Specifically a guy like DeMarcus Ware, and they already have it happened to have, um, well, I guess DeMarcus Ware did come along the same year as Julius Peppers. So, uh, th- there is some fuzzy logic there on my end, but they had Von Miller there already, which never hurts the best pass rusher in the league. It, it doesn't hurt to have him around. Uh, being able to pair him with a guy like um, DeMarcus Ware is certainly a big feather in your cap. And they had some of their pieces of their great secondary in place already too. So I I, I do, I understand what you're saying there, but I think it is possible um, to, to take more of an all-in approach every year. And I think maybe that's what Rodgers is getting to. The Packers have to go all in or or do whatever they're doing now rather than a few weeks because they have been eliminated from the postseason. And we will talk about both the end of the Packers season and uh, the start, I guess, in a way of next season in just a couple seconds. But first, Gary and I, we need to make you aware of, uh, of something new that has happened with our book uh, following far. We've talked about it for a couple weeks. It's now available on Amazon.com and there's been some changes there, Gary. Uh, what do the people need to know about acquiring this book now? It should be a little bit easier, shouldn't it? <laughs> well, if you've been on the fence about following far, which is our debut ebook about uh, the four quarterbacks who followed in the footsteps or could have followed in the footsteps of Brett Favre, uh, we've made it a little bit easier for you to pull that trigger. We've lowered the price down to an off-season sale of $2.99. So if you're on the fence about following Favre, uh, certainly would uh, welcome you to, to give it another shot. Uh, we, we we're very excited about it. It's a great way to support the mission of the power sweep and what we're trying to uh, do to help all of us become better and smarter Packer fans. Better and smarter Packer fans are better Packers fans. So go to Amazon.com, type in following Favre and download it to your Kindle uh, e-reader, your smartphone, your computer. It works on all of those places, and the Kindle app is free. If you don't even have a Kindle, you can read it on any smart device just by downloading the Kindle app for free. Following Favre is going to cost you just $2.99. We can't go any lower than that, uh, but the book can go straight to your smart device or computer if you just fork over that less than $3 uh, to read this book. It's a great way to great way to help us out here at thepowersweep.com. 
and uh, learn a little bit more about a time in the in the history of the Packers that you may not know that much about. So check it out. It's a great read, and we would appreciate it very much. All right, let's talk about this NFC Championship game. Blue 57, so I don't think the game went as we expected. Uh, Gary and I both predicted wins last week. We both predicted the Packers scoring a lot more points than they actually did. And they just didn't. Um, I put it on online uh, during the game as the Packers just getting outclassed by the Falcons. And it seems like that's a pretty thorough description. Everything that the Packers do well, the Falcons did even better. Uh, whether it was passing the ball, running the ball, defending the pass, defending the run. About everything that the Packers have, have made a strength or even done well at any time this season, the Falcons just showed them how to do it that much better. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this game because I, f- I feel like we have a pretty thorough understanding of how much better the Falcons are than the Packers already. But I do want to talk about uh, a certain experience that one of the two of us on this podcast had on Sunday. Gary, you actually managed to go to this game on Sunday. I do, uh, or I did rather. Uh, I, I live in the Atlanta area, and so it was uh, just a, a huge blessing to be able to go to the game uh, with my family and my girlfriend. Um, just really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed the atmosphere. And I got to say, John, uh, the Packers might have been outclassed on the field, but the Atlanta Falcons fans in the Georgia Dome uh, were some of the most gracious fans I've ever been around. And I say that because they kept chanting MVP, even when Aaron Rodgers was on the sidelines. It was it was a sight to be held. Um, I, I couldn't believe it. Just such such great fans uh, in the Georgia Dome. That that was pretty exciting. I think that was uh, really great of them to show that respect for Aaron Rodgers, the the superior quarterback um, to to the Falcons, Aaron, uh, Matt Ryan. So it's pretty. It must have been so embarrassing for Matt Ryan to score this rushing touchdown and then have all of the fans chanting MVP for Aaron Rodgers. Well, I, I mean, it just was a really nice gesture by Atlanta. They, uh, they probably did it kind of as he, the, the entire rushing touchdown seemed like an homage to me to Rodgers rushing touchdown in that very same end zone in the 2010 divisional game between the Packers and Falcons. So it was really, really a nice gesture. I thought from Matt Ryan. I agree. I agree. Great tribute. So I do want to ask you a couple actual questions about the game. First of all, how was the traffic getting to the stadium? Atlanta is famous for its traffic. Did you experience any? It was nothing like uh, Bloomington, Indiana, or I'd say that much. Uh, it actually wasn't that bad. Um, they they do a really nice job around the stadium of, of reversing the lanes and getting people where you need to go. And um, with it being Sunday afternoon, not a whole lot of other traffic on the road. Uh, Gary is referencing the time that he came to Indiana to watch um, the Indiana Hoosiers take on the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And let me tell you, in Bloomington, where I live, it is not uncommon for traffic to back up as many as five to six blocks from the stadium. So, I mean, you better watch out if you're ever in Bloomington on a game day. Just bring supplies for the back of your car. Whatever you need. Some water bottles, granola bars, some some sustenance. Some blankets, uh, maybe some of those power things that can charge up your phone when you're not near an outlet. Just really plan ahead. Uh, The noise in the stadium, Gary. How is is the noise level? Georgia Dome can can be a mixed bag sometimes. It can, although I'll say it was very loud and it was consistently loud for the three and a half hours that the game uh, lasted. So... 
I was very impressed with the fan base. Um, on a on a serious note, they they were they brought it from the opening kickoff to every third down that Green Bay was on offense uh, through through the end of the fourth quarter. Um, they were they were in it. They were excited. Um, it was it was at least three or four times louder than I've ever heard Lambeau Field consistently throughout the game. Well, you got to just avoid those gold package games and, and it'll be much louder. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere near that one. <laughs> we'll just let that one slide past and hopefully any gold package listeners will forgive us. We just, it's because we care. So finally, one question, I guess. One one question about the game. Um, when, I guess sometimes when you watch something in person, you get a, a feel for how the game is going. As a Packers fan, was there a moment when the game felt over? Well, John, it, it kind of felt like it was over uh, pretty quickly after uh, the Falcons went up by two scores. And in the stands, we were we were kind of talking in, during TV timeouts about Aaron Rodgers' comments after the Cowboys game. Uh, you know, Aaron Andrews grabs him and goes, man, you guys just won this game. You're on to Atlanta. How do you feel? And I thought we all kind of found it telling in the light of what was happening in the Georgia Dome that Rogers in Dallas said, well, you know, we're not going to think about Atlanta. We're really going to enjoy this, um, this, this win against the Cowboys. And it just kind of felt like maybe that was the Packers Super Bowl, and they wouldn't, they, they just didn't have enough gas in the tank. Uh, you know, certainly injuries just continued to hammer them during the game. And it felt like Atlanta, you know, came out of there completely unscathed. And um, it, it, it was, it was, you know, Atlanta's famous for the railroads and it felt like a train just ran through that stadium and Green Bay had no shot. So train that was wearing number 11. Cause I think that's all that uh, Ladarius Gunter saw all day. Uh, yeah, Trevor Davis was really good. He was uh, fantastic. A lot of intangibles in his performance. Uh, how impressive is Julio Jones in person? Uh, unbelievable, dude. Just as a as a machine, I, I I still think Calvin Johnson is better in person, more more physically impressive in person. But uh, that 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 second uh, second half touchdown he had right in the beginning of the third quarter, that was coming right at us in the end zone, and whew, that was that was something. I, uh, I, we talked about this a little bit and something hilarious I saw after the game was everyone saying online, like, wouldn't it be great if Aaron Rodgers had a receiver like Julio Jones? And first of all, obviously, everyone wishes they had a receiver like Julio Jones. Secondly, there aren't any other receivers like Julio Jones. You have Calvin Johnson, who is bigger and faster somehow than Julio Jones, but still was not as explosive in something like the broad jump where Julio Jones jumped out of the the building when he tested. And you just can't find them. If you could find receivers like Julio Jones, I'm sure the Packers would have one already. That just made me scratch my head. That's really not related, but Yeah, it's it's nice to want things. Of course, it's it's nice to want things. And and now we are wanting for more Packers games, but we're not going to get one for a while because it's the off season. So without getting too navel gazy, Gary, uh too too much of a prognostication. What is this game? What does this mean? What does this mean for the Packers? Is this an end of an era? Is this a, a, a situation where they need a significant retool? I don't think so. I they got they got Aaron Rodgers, Ty Montgomery's young. 
Um, they're they're most likely going to bring back you know the trio of Adams and Cobb and Nelson, which are three really good wide receivers. Hopefully, Jared Cook comes back. Uh, defensively, sure, there's uh, there's some work to be done on that side, but uh, I think the playmakers are there, and I'm not. I'm not relatively concerned about the future of the Green Bay Packers. I think we're, I think we're going to be, you know, hanging around as long as number 12 is under center. I think one of the things that Rodgers gets you is hope. And that's something that they always talked about with Brett Favre was whenever you have a quarterback like that, you're at least are going to be in the conversation. So I, I agree with you that the Packers are, are in good shape as long as Rodgers is around. But something that Aaron Nagler brought up on, on Twitter, now for PackersNews.com, is that it seems like Ted Thompson is always not ignoring the present in hopes of securing his team's long-term future, but maybe maybe neglecting a little bit the present in terms of the long-term future. And I wonder if the Packers are getting stuck trying to secure their future too much um this this seems like the sort of situation where they could have used like two more players and things would have been dramatically different now uh, obviously there were some big injuries on on defense i i think we're going to find out that clay matthews was in much worse shape than he let on because he hasn't even appeared on an injury report in in weeks and he is a shell of a of a player out there uh, and not having Sam Shields in the secondary was big, but I I just I wonder if this window kind of since Julius Peppers kind of came on board has closed in a way, and if the Packers are going to have to retool, we we put together for the for the site um, three storylines that we're going to be talking about over the next couple days that I think we're we're going to see a lot of this off season, and I wondered if we could just touch on one of those three. I'll tell you the other two. Uh, but the 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 one I want to talk about specifically tonight, Gary, is free agents. The other two are what's going to happen with the Packers front office, what happens with Sam Shields, who is dealing with a, a bevy of concerns, and then and then the free agents. The Packers have eleven free agents. They would have had twelve, but Mike Pennell is is already gone. Um, they have eleven free agents that are hitting the open market. If you had to handicap it, Gary, what's your over under on how many of those people? actually come back six six and a half yeah i think that's that's reasonable if you had to pick six who are who are the uh, six of the 11 that you would pick off the top of your head if you're not familiar i'll give you the list here here they are this is an order of salary um this year uh, and not to say what they'll get next year or this offseason but but here are the 11 julius peppers tj lang nick perry jared cook dayton jones brett good Eddie Lacy, Kristen Michael, Don Barclay, J.C. Treader, and Micah Hyde. If you so, you're picking. Are you picking more than six, or, or more than six and a half, or less than six and a half? I think they they end up with seven or so. I I don't know what what Pepper's deal is. If he's going to come back or not, I'd love to see him back. Uh, I think the Packers certainly figured out how to use him. He was very effective down the stretch. Um, I, I'd love to see Nick Perry back. I think it's going to cost us, and I think that probably comes at the um, at the the risk of losing Sam Shields via retirement or release. Uh, but just to to rattle off a list, give me uh, give me Micah Hyde back, 
Uh, give me J.C. Treader back. Uh, Brett Good. Uh, I'd like to see Lang back. Uh, Peppers, Nick Perry, and um, give me give me Dayton Jones on a Mike Neal like contract. I I I I think we can bring him. I'd like to see what he can do next year. Jones is going to be cheap. I will say that uh, he certainly hasn't priced himself out of the Packers market. I thought he might. Uh, just it seems like every year is going to be the Dayton Jones year, but it hasn't worked out that way so far. Um, I like your list. I think I would go pretty similar there. I would take, I think good is the only slam dunk on that list. And we can talk about that in a second, but I take good Perry Lang peppers, cook and treader and hide probably in, in that, in that order. Uh, I don't know how, how firm I am on that order, but off the top of my head, I, I say that that's a pretty good list. Peppers is going to have to bring his price down a little bit. He was his cap number for this year was almost nine million dollars, and that's 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 too much. I think if you got him in the four to five million dollar range, that's fine. If if you're using the Mike Neal scale like Gary did, I think one Julius Peppers from 2016 is probably worth two or two and a half Mike Neals. Would you agree? <laughs> I think we just came up with a new salary cap. Uh... Uh, stat. Uh, how many Mike Neals is uh, is Aaron Rodgers worth this year? <laughs> Probably ten or twelve, right? I don't know what his at pass least. rush is like, but it's got to be got to be okay. Um, the, the funny thing is, like I like I just touched on there, there might be only one sure thing on this list. If you were going to pick one guy who is absolutely for sure going to get resigned, it would have to be Brett Good, right? <laughs> I I kind of think it's Jared Cook, though. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, Cook sure seems like a slam dunk. I, I read a quote that kind of got was buried in an article, but he said he hasn't had fun playing football until he came to Green Bay. Can you imagine that? You've played professional football, any you know. So so that's that's probably what eight ten years of your life, and all of it hasn't been fun. I always laugh when I see articles like that because you know what's a lot more miserable than playing for a bad professional football team? And not playing professional football at all because it pays a whole lot less. Uh, speaking of not playing professional football, is there a greater than 2% chance that Christian Michael is back with the Packers next year? I think there is. I, I thought he played his way, his way into uh, into at least a look this offseason. Um, I sure he had some special teams gaffes and whatever that was where he celebrated like a one yard gain with um, a member of the Falcons. the Falcons. That was <laughs> very strange, very strange. Um, but but I, you know, I, I I'd, I'll tell you what, I'd rather have him than Lacey next year. Really? Wow, that's a that's an interesting I, take. I, I would. Why? I would. Well, uh, why? Uh, I think that he, uh, I think that that he's a, a better athlete, and I think that his game is better suited for the Packers' offensive style than Eddie Lacy's. The Packers are best on offense when they can play in the pistol or from the shotgun, and Eddie Lacy has not proven to be a good running. I think he needs a head of steam that comes from a, a, a snap from under the center. And Michael seems to be a little bit more shifty, a little bit more in the mold of a James Starks. And I don't know, I'll, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Well, if you're saying he he looks like James Starks, I'm not sure that's a, that's a point in your favor. 
Well, I think that James Starks may have had a bad year this year, but overall, his his Packers career has been has been pretty successful. That is true. Uh, I am not a, a Christian Michael fan. I think he runs very hard in every direction at once, and the Packers just need him to go one direction. And so far, no NFL team out of the three that he's been on, including the the Seahawks twice, has really been able to get him to do that consistently. I don't really know why. It seems like it'd be it'd be pretty easy for a guy who's as physically gifted as Christian Michael is, and I, I don't deny that. He's certainly a better athlete than, than any Lacey, I'll give you that. Um, I, I like what you're saying about Lacey needing a specific offensive style to work to his best uh, ability, but I think there is a situation where he can still be useful to the Packers, and if, if he's used correctly, I think he I would much rather have a guy like him um, than Christian Michael. But this brings me to something that we are adding in, especially for the offseason. We do not have any predictions to make anymore. It is past prediction time uh, for week-in, week-out NFL games. However, there are some people who have made it their business to predict exactly what is going to happen in the NFL draft. And with that, we would love to bring you the bad mock draft of the week. Gary, you have uncovered a gem for us this week and it comes from none other than mel kuyper jr <laughs> mel kuyper jr predicts uh the green bay packers with the 29th pick in the nfl draft will select running back christian mccaffrey from stanford and what is his reasoning for that pick i don't know <laughs> i don't know either because it doesn't make any sense to me first of all would you take christian mccaffrey if he was uh, available at 29 maybe I don't. It's, I I think there's so many other places if you're Green Bay that that you'd look. Um, I, I I just first of all, he's not going to be around at 29. No, he's he, he's the sort of player that someone in some team that's picking at like 13 is going to talk themselves into and be like, you know, Christian McCaffrey's still available. I wonder. I bet. I bet we could use somebody like him, and they're going to pick him and be horribly disappointed because it's just not going to work out. Wow, way to way to just ruin the young man's career. Just, <laughs> I mean, just John's gone ahead and decided it. Christian, I'm sorry if you're listening. Um, you know, you're you're just not going to be any good, according to John. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, we'll put it this way: Did AJ Hawk have a good career? Yes. Did he have a good career for the fifth overall pick? Yes. Really? Yes. Well, that ruins my whole analogy. I'm sorry, John. You 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 come at me with an AJ Hawk take. I'm going to tell you he was a good linebacker. Well, he was he a won good a linebacker. Super Bowl, and in the context of that draft, there was nobody else the Packers could have taken that would have been better. Uh, that's a different discussion for a different day. My point is, I guess that that a pl- a player's career can often be framed by expectations, and if you're picking a guy like like McCaffrey in the top twelve picks, you're going to want a certain thing out of him, and it's he he seems like the sort of running back to me that doesn't do anything especially well at an NFL level, which is something that you would want if you're going to use a high uh, high pick on a running back. I mean, look at Ezekiel Elliott as a runner and compare him to Christian McCaffrey. I mean, you would much rather have a guy like Ezekiel Elliott if you're an NFL team, right? I think you would, but the the thing that might be missing is that the tape on McCaffrey is pretty darn impressive. It is, it is. And the tape on McCaffrey looks a lot like the tape on Ezekiel Elliott as far as breakaway speed, running away from defenders, and making the right reads. 
Um, I, I think McCaffrey is is one of those guys that's a lot like J.J. Watt, where um, when he came out of out of Wisconsin, where you know he he's probably not worth as high of a pick as as he ends up being, but a team like you said falls in love with him, decides to roll the dice, um, and 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 it either works out like it did for Watt or or it doesn't. I think it's going to depend a lot on the team he ends up going to, but I think we both agree that that team is not going to be the Green Bay Packers, at least not in the first round. If he's there in the third round when the Packers come up, uh, well, okay. Then we could talk about Christian McCaffrey, but I think both of us agree that Christian McCaffrey... If he's available in the third round, there's no way we're going to take him. (laughs) That'll be something where the the fans are just like, he's there, take him, please. And Ted Thompson will just be like, no, no. Just remember Miles Jack when (laughs) he was available in the first round. Everybody freaking out, we're going to draft Miles Jack. Nope. And then they did not. It'll be interesting to see who that person ends up being for the Packers this year because you know that person will present themselves sometime in the next quarter year between between now and the draft. Man, that's how long there is until the draft? A quarter of a year. Three months. Oh, it's a oh, long it is a long time away. Fortunately, the draft combine is less than a sixth of a month or a sixth of a year away. So if that cheers you up at all, I, I don't know. Man, I can't wait for the Underwear Olympics. Yeah, they're, they're coming and coming fast. Gary, that's going to be about a show for us this week. Where can the good people find us? Well, uh, you can find us a couple of different ways. First of all, uh, Blue 58 is a podcast by The Power Sweep. You can visit us on the World Wide Web. Navigate your browser to www.thepowersweep.com. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We are The Power Sweep in both locations. Uh, and finally, if you'd like to get in contact with us, we really love hearing from you guys. You guys are a big reason of why we love uh, writing and, and talking about the Packers. You can send us an electronic mail at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. Uh, any feedback helps John and I make Blue 58 and The Power Sweep better and helps make all of us smarter Packer fans. And smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. So stick with us all offseason. We will help you become a better Packers fan each and every day. For Gary Zillavi, I am John Meerdink. We will see you next week on Blue 58.